Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen here as we talk about persuasion, motivation, influence, charisma, sales, the things you need to take your life and your income to the next level. This is Podcast 328, and we have a surprise for you today. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy Miner, is going to talk to us today. Jeremy, how's it going? I'm not that cool, but thanks for the compliment. (laughs) Hey, we'll go with it. Let me just introduce Jeremy a little bit. He's going to take a deep dive in the world of sales and influence. But Jeremy is the CEO of the Seventh Level. It's a global sales trading firm. His clients include Google, Kia Motors, Lion Financial, and hundreds of other companies. He's pioneered internationally recognized sales trading methodology that to date has helped more than 200,000 salespeople in 40 countries achieve exceptional results. Before founding Seventh Level, three years ago, Jeremy was ranked one of the top sales earners in the world, earning over $2.4 million a year on average as a W-2 sales rep for three separate industries by the Direct Selling Association. Jeremy studied behavioral and organizational science at Utah Valley University, which has played a foundational role in a career-long development of his neuro-emotional persuasion questioning sales methodology. Jeremy, welcome. Hey, it's an honor to be here on your show. I've heard a lot about it. I've wanted to be on it for a long time. You know, I went to school out in Utah, and I believe you might have went out to school out there, too. I know you lived there. Yeah, I always like my Utah guys. That's one of my favorite states. I love the mountains. I love the weather, the people. It was a great time going to college out there. It's beautiful with the mountains and the lakes. And I miss the beach growing up in California. But hey, we'll go with the, the mountains and nature and it's in, in the snow. You gotta get used to the snow, but that's one thing that we all learn to love. That's right. So, awesome. Well, it's a pleasure having you here with your background and working with salespeople and taking them to the next level. So we always start on the show, just to throw you for a little loop here. Every guest gets this question. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Oh, man. Worst vegetable on the planet that I don't like. I don't know about everybody else, but I do not like beets. And I don't understand why anybody in their right mind would ever eat something like that. You know, going to college in Utah, there's a town there so like West Jordan or South Jordan, and their mascot is called the Beat Diggers. Mascot. And I always, yeah, I'm like, Beat Diggers? Okay, that's a weird mascot name, but who beats beats? Like, I don't understand beats. Like, beats are just off, they're just off my list, man. Someone needs to change their mascot real fast. And I'm with you on beats. That purple stains everything. Why would you eat man. this? I, I get yeah. some people in seminars say, well, all vegetables are good. I'm like, okay, no way. There's, there's, Beets, Brussels sprouts, there's got to be something on your list. But all right, we'll go with beets. Yeah, yeah, beets, beets is bad, dude. I, I just can't eat beets. I'm more of a broccoli carrots guy, but beets are just, yeah, I just can't. No, never. Yeah, when they invented ranch, that's when broccoli and carrots became okay in salads. <laughs> <laughs> there you I'm go. I'm with you on that one. So let's look at the world of sales. When you look yeah. at salespeople right now, what are the biggest blunders, mistakes? What are the biggest issues when it comes to salespeople right now? What are you seeing out there? You know, I think that the most pervasive issue, I think the biggest issue that salespeople have in our day and age, I'd say 98% are trained to be product pushers rather than problem finders and problem solvers. 
So they're trained to push their product, right? They're trained to go out there and, you know, talk about their features and their benefits and be enthusiastic and excited about what they sell because they've got the best this, they've got the best that, which, you know, how many salespeople do you know that try to sell you something that say, oh, we're just fifth best in the marketplace? No, everybody says they have the best, right? So because they go out there and they just pitch their solution too early in the conversation and they push their product most people in our day and age, because they're constantly being sold to 24 hours a day, that's the age we live in. You wake up in the morning, you get on your phone, you get on social media, somebody's trying to sell you something. You see ads trying to sell you something. You turn on the radio when you're driving to work, somebody's trying to sell you something. You turn on the TV, commercials trying to sell you something. You drive down the road, billboards trying to sell you something. So because of that, the consumer in our day and age has built up these defensive mechanisms that any time somebody tries to bring up their solution, especially early in a conversation, or they just try to f- feel that onto them, there's immediate resistance. There's like the, I call it the Great Wall of China, just goes up, and then the salesperson's constantly having to try to overcome that wall or go around that wall. So like when I trained salespeople, when I was a salesperson myself, I mean, we're still all in sales, but when I was had my selling career, I looked at myself as a problem finder and a problem solver rather rather than like a product pusher. And here's what I mean by that. In our day and age, it's not enough even to be just good at solving problems. Because we've all read books where it says you've got to be a great problem solver. And that's true. But in our day and age, you have to be even better at problem finding. Now, what does problem finding mean? That means asking the right types of questions at the right time in a conversation where you're with a potential customer to help that potential customer uncover challenges and problems that they didn't even know they had. Because most prospects don't even know they have problems, or if they do, how bad those problems are or the consequences of what can happen if they don't solve them down the road. And if you can't learn how to ask the right questions that help a prospect uncover the problems in their mind, it's impossible for them to ever buy from you so you can ever solve their problems. I believe that we have to become problem finders and problem solvers because if we're just out pushing our product, we're just commoditized and people just negotiate you down on price and that's it. I think it's a biggest pervasive issue in sales today. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with you 100% on that. We got all these pushers, these vomiters out there just destroying the reputation of salespeople. So what do you think that is? Is it one size fits all? They haven't been educated. They're not trained. It's too old school, all the above. I mean, we know it's out there. It's happening every day. And it's just, and I get upset because it ruins the name of sales because so many do it in the wrong way. What's going on? What do you see? I think it's really just salespeople have been taught traditional selling skills that are still being taught today, like it's the gospel, they're still being taught these old school sales techniques. I call them from the dinosaur ages of selling, from what I call the old sales gurus that actually work against human behavior. They actually work against what you're trying to do. I'd rather learn sales skills that work with human behavior because why would I want to push against it's like that push pull dynamic you know when you're constantly pushing somebody what do they do back they push back so why not learn sales methodologies or sales skills or the right sales questions that get them to pull you in 
where they work with their behavior and you lead them the way you want them to go rather than constantly saying things or asking certain questions that are more manipulative questions that trigger resistance. So I think that because so many salespeople are still using sales skills, just going to be blunt, from sales trainers who learned how to sell in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the 90s, when the consumer was completely different than they are now, they're going to still struggle. It's like, and I see a lot of new sales trainers just copy the old sales trainers, and it's just like a, a, a repeating issue, and people wonder why they work so hard as a salesperson because the sales trainer said you got to work hard you got to put in the hours you got to be excited you got to call hundreds of leads you got to hustle and then they wonder why they're not making that much money it's not because they're not working hard it's because they haven't learned the right sales skills they haven't learned the right questions to ask that work with human behavior and once you learn that selling becomes actually pretty easy and extremely profitable well said, everybody. I hope you caught that. Everyone's different now than the old style sales tools from the 60s, 70s. They have access to more information with Google. 20 years you went to buy a car, you had to believe the salesperson. Now you can Google it, so you have more information. People are more educated than ever before. They're more skeptical than ever before. And so you've got to change the way you do things. You've got to get into their mind. You've got to interrupt the, all the persuasive messages that are happening out there. And that's yeah. critical. Yeah, you said it right. I mean, 20 plus years ago, what was the bridge between the company and the consumer? It was, of course, the salesperson. Just like you said, the company would send out the sales rep to educate the public. The public relied on salespeople to educate them, right, about their products or services. And really, besides radio and TV or maybe direct mail, that's how people would learn about your products. But like you said, with the power of the internet, especially social media, we live in a completely different age. The consumer already knows all about your company. They know about your products, your services. They know your price points. They know who your competitors are. They know how long you've been in business. They know everything about you, just like you said, by simply doing a Google search, even on their phone. And because of that newfound power, they will no longer be manipulated or pressured by pushy salespeople because they know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service that you sell. You hit it right on the right on the head. That's why. Again, they know everything about you, good and bad, true and false, what your competitors yep. have put up there. And it's real. If on the internet, it must be true. You have to be careful out there. And so they know everything. I mean, again, 20 years ago, if you went to buy a car, they could say whatever they wanted. They could push you into a corner. They could make up whatever they want. Now, consumer comes in. They know everything from consumer reports to what people have said about you, to all the good, the negative, the evil, the bad things you've done, or what people have made up about you. And it changes the game. It's completely changed the game. And the issue is, is that many salespeople, and it's not their fault. I mean, when I got into sales back in two, summer of 2001, I was still in college. I was uh, a junior in college or something. And my company taught me those same traditional selling skills. And that was really before, I mean, the internet had kind of started a couple, two, three years before that or whatever, but social media wasn't even around. And it was already starting to happen then, you know, compared to now, completely different ball game in that last 18 to 20 years for sure. And it's only getting worse. Yeah, and it's changing. And we've learn a little more about the human brain and why would we do what we do in the last 10 years and last 100 years combined. And we need to take that science and change the way we persuade and influence and sell. So tell me about this science. How does this science, this what we've been learning about the brain, play a role in effective selling? 
I studied behavioral science in college and, and brain studies prove without a shadow of a doubt now that people base their buying decisions on 100% emotion. You know, salespeople used to say that back in the day, like, oh, you know, people buy on emotion, but now it's been proven. I mean, they make decisions 100% on emotion and they only justify with logic. So even when there's three eras of sales training or way people learn how to sell. Error number one was the, you know, pushy, Willem Dillem, you know, boiler room selling like wolf on Wall Street, manipulate them, pressure and posture them into doing that, right? That's error number one. Most sales training still teaches, if not all of that, at least bits and parts of that that triggers resistance. Error number two came out in the 90s, probably late 80s, 90s, that talked about called consultative selling. If you ever heard of consultative selling, you know, books like Spin Selling, still a, a great book, especially back in those time. But it taught that you had to ask logical based questions to your client to find out their needs. Revolutionary idea, I know. What's the biggest issue with only asking logical based questions? What type of answers do you get back from your prospect? Well, you get logical answers back when you only ask logical questions. And like you said, do human beings buy on emotion or logic? It's 100% emotion. So when you ask questions like, uh, John, can you tell me what's keeping you awake at night? That is such a generalized old school question that when you ask that, especially in a complex sale, most people, it's going to trigger them to shut down because they're like, I've heard that question 100 times. Every salesperson asked me that. It's so generic. And you'll notice that they'll shut down. They're not going to be like, Oh, gosh, Jeremy, what keeps me awake at night is this and just spilling out their problems. Or they might even say indigestion or something you don't want and take you off course. <laughs> exactly. So consultative selling, it's better than the first era of selling, era number two, consultative selling. But you're still having to play the numbers game because very little emotion is brought out by simply asking logical based questions. So what we train salespeople with, what I learned going through behavioral science studies in sales at the same time, piecing all that together. I mean, it took me years, you know, probably over a decade, 12 years at least to put all that together. We teach sales skills that work with human behavior that allow the person you're talking to, to persuade themselves. Self-persuasion, which is the most powerful form of persuasion. Think Socrates, if that gives you an example of that. Ask questions to get people to think and draw them over to their side. That's what he did. That's why he's famous in our day and age still. So we teach what's called dialogue when we ask what are called neuro-emotional persuasion questioning. So science is really the key in understanding how your buyers buy. If you don't understand why they buy or what triggers resistance, you're always going to have that because you don't know how to ask the right questions that make sure that they don't have resistance. Instead of objection handling with rebuttals, which don't really work very well, I'd rather ask the right questions that eliminate the objection from ever coming in their mind. See the difference? Yeah, big difference. And well said, as far as the shift, the change, understanding the mindset and the emotion is critical. Those subconscious triggers, why we do what we do is a big piece in the world of selling. And we forget that. And you're right about the stages where it was the force, the closing, and then let's consult now it's almost you have to pull them in. You have to help them, like you said, self-persuasion, help them persuade themselves. Because yeah. the moment somebody senses you're going to try to sell them something, even though they need it, want it, like, and can afford it, guarantee what's going to happen, they're going to resist you every time. 
hundred percent. Well, let me give you an example of that. Let's say that you sell cars and a buyer walks in and you say, Hey, how can I help you today? What do they typically say? Yeah. That's, that's so old school. You yeah. get the knee jerk hey. reaction. Uh, I'm just looking. I'm just looking around. So I want to meet that buyer with what they're already thinking in that example. And instead of saying, how are you doing today? How can I help you? Or welcome to the dealership. We're so excited to have you. As they're walking in, I'm just going to say what they're already thinking so I can roll into it. I might say, hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming to the dealership. Are you out looking around today? So I'm just meeting them with what they're already thinking. So they're not going to say, oh, yeah, I'm just looking around and shut off. They're going to say, yeah, we're just kind of looking around. Interesting. Do you know what you're looking for? And we're going to roll right into that conversation. So you're meeting them, you're working with their human behavior that you already know they're going to say that when you're brought in. That way you don't get that objection. You're just working with them right into the process. It just makes it smooth. And you take them down that path. And I think we've all been at a clothing store and someone came up and said, can I help you? Because that's yeah. what they're supposed to say. We, uh, I'm just looking and they're like, wait a minute, I needed help. But you've already, they've already walked away because <laughs> right. of that knee-jerk reaction. Knee-jerk and people reaction. Every day. When they sense you're going to try to sell them or you start off one of those old school cheesy introductions like, okay, come on, what a, at a car dealership, what do we got to do to get you in a car today? You're like, okay, come on, high lactose, exactly. cheesy, doesn't work, and don't do that. Let me ask you this question because there's so much noise out there where some studies show we're hit with 5,000 persuasive messages a day. How do salespeople stand out in the market? How do they get noticed? Well, there's a couple things. And this answer is going to sound like, oh, well, that sounds easy. But I'm going to suggest that 99% of salespeople don't do this at all. And really to stand out in the marketplace today, you have to learn how to be a great listener. I know it sounds like, oh, listening. Yeah, I listen. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't listen. When somebody's talking, you're thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not really listening to them. So what sets people apart is their listening skills, the art of listening, which is a learned skill, and the art of asking the right types of questions at the right time in the conversation that trigger that person to emotionally attach to their problem rather than the salesperson being emotionally attached to their problem. Because who cares if the sales reps attached to their problem? If you can't ask the right questions to get that prospect to realize they have problems because most prospects don't really think they have problems, right? Or they would have already came to you, or maybe they don't know how bad their problem really is or what can happen if they don't solve it down the road. So when we learn how to ask the right questions, we call those NEPQ questions, neuroemotional persuasion questions. They trigger in that person's mind for maybe their problems and their desires that they buried in their subconscious. It triggers them to come out into their conscious mind, which triggers them to want to take urgency, which triggers them to want to take action now and solve that problem rather than saying, oh, we'll get back to it in a week, a month, a year, two years later. So it's becoming an effective listener. It's learning what questions to ask at the right time in the conversation that trigger them to want what you offer. And it's learning when you do that, you become what I call a trusted authority. Sometimes it's a, it's a term that I hear other people say now, but it's a trusted authority in their eyes rather than them viewing you as just another salesperson who's trying to sell them something and how they treat that type of person. When they view you as a trusted authority, you're on a completely different level. They never leave you. They always want to come back and buy from you again because they can't imagine buying from someone else 
because nobody else has helped them emotionally come to those conclusions by their questions. That's really huge if you want to be a top performer and like the very best in your industry for sure. I like that, listeners. Max Myers, I hope you caught that. A couple of key points there. You stink at listening. Okay, own up. You got to listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. We can all work on it. We can all become a little better. And waiting to respond is not listening. <laughs> Just because you're, it's in your brain and you get that feeling and you interrupt them, that's not listening. And when you become a trusted authority, influence in sales is easy. There's very little resistance. When you're accepted as a trusted authority, when you're the expert, there's very little resistance. And that's something to think about. And that's done through questions. Think about a doctor or a lawyer or any expert. They're going to listen. They're going to interrogate. They're going to ask questions, find out what the true issue is. 100%. So let's talk about why are most sales lost by the salesperson? What's going on? Most sales are lost at the beginning of the conversation. I would suggest not at the end when we're trying to close them. Because in the beginning of the conversation, if they're already putting up resistance against you from what you're saying, or more importantly, not asking, it's over at hello. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you cold call. You know, we train salespeople in different industries that cold call as well. And when I walk into a company and I listen to a call, it sounds like this at every company you can imagine, whether it's a mom and pop company that has one salesperson all the way to a Fortune 500 company that has 8,000 salespeople, it's all the same. It's crazy. And they'll call me like, hi, is this John? Hey, John, this is Jeremy. I'm with XYZ Company. And sir, the reason why I'm calling today is, click. Old school. Old school. Hi, my name is, I'm with, and what we do is, every company says that. Every company that you're calling those people are hearing the same thing over and over and over again for the last couple of decades at least. That conversation's over at hello. It just is, right? So we have to teach salespeople how to be different, how to ask certain questions even at the beginning of that conversation that we call what's called a problem statement that trigger them to want to engage, to want to have a conversation. So I really believe sales are lost mainly at the very beginning of the sales process, not necessarily the end. One of the biggest reasons why sales is also lost in that conversation is because of salespeople being over-enthusiastic. They're too excited. You have to be excited about what you sell, but keep that inside of you. Can you all imagine a time when you've bought something, you walked into a car dealership, maybe you walked into a retail store, you just walked in somewhere, you wanted to buy something, and the salesperson came out and was really excited. We're so happy to have you here today. We're going to get you the best deal on this. And, you know, what do we need to do to get you this and that? And what do you typically do? Oh, we're just kind of looking around, you know, no, thank you. Let me think about it. So when you're overexcited and I still see sales trainers train this today, it's beyond me. And then they'll say, oh, well, selling is just a numbers game. Well, yeah, selling is a numbers game because what you're saying and how excited you are are triggering people to resist you causing it to be a numbers game. So when you're overexcited with hu with human beings, it forces a human being to do one of two things. Number one, they're either going to throw out objections and they're going to reject you with what reject what you're offering. If they have more of an A-type personality, they're going to be very blunt, just turn you down quickly. If they're more of a nicer person, they're going to be like, 
oh, Kurt, that sounds really nice. Like, that sounds like a good idea. Um, can you email me some information on it? And, and let me talk with my spouse. And can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? And then you call back, like all excited that they've read it and they don't reach and you leave a message because they don't pick up and they don't return your message. And then you email them. They don't return your email. Then you send them a text message. They don't respond to that. They go into, you know, witness protection mode. That's what overexcitement does. So you have to be more neutral. You're not negative, but you're not excited. You're just neutral. You're there to find out if you can actually help them. And when you're more neutral in that process, they become less guarded. Their skepticism goes way down, like way down. Talk slower. Be relaxed. Conversational. That's what gets the person to open up to you. And that's a big complaint that I've seen in my research. People just get too excited or getting too friendly too fast, and they're repelling people. It's causing resistance. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine calling the depression hotline? Someone's all, it's a great day at the depression hotline. How can I help you? It's a bad example. And that's what happens is sure. you like old sales trying to be enthusiastic, which there's a time and place for that. But usually they have had their coffee. It's Monday morning, and you're on a 10, and they're on a 1. It's going to repel them. It's going to repel yeah. most people, 100%. I agree. Awesome. Well said. Learned some great things today. Hey, Jeremy, where can listeners find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. You know, if, if, if somebody's looking for sales training for your company, for you, yourself, if you're a person out there that's looking how to, to persuade or, you know, sell more of your products or services, you can just go to our website. I don't know, Kurt, if you have it listed somewhere, it's just www. It's the number seven and then TH. So seventh level HQ, seventh level HQ.com, seventh level HQ.com. And you can opt in for more information there. You can also schedule a demo if you want one of our account executives to get on with you, have a brief conversation to see if we can actually help, because sometimes we just can't, depending on what you sell. And then we can do a demo of our platform and how we solve problems for companies and salespeople like. So just seventh level HQ.com. You can opt in, request a demo, and somebody will reach out to you to see if we can help. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Hope you took some great notes today. And you can choose that one thing you're going to start working on. Now, I'll post all these links at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Get the new edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Find out more about Influence University Advanced Training. And you can contact me. Master these skills. Go change some lives. Change your own and go out and persuade with power.